What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another special Friday night edition of the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I'm joined, as always, by my compadre, Bart Wheeler. Bart, how's it going? I'm doing great, man. Like you said, it's Friday night. Feeling good. I know uh, last night, Thursday, you had a you had a draft, didn't you? I'm kind of curious to hear how it went. I yeah, man. I, I'm I'm still kind of like catching up on sleep from that because uh, <laughs> the draft probably ended last night around like ten thirty or eleven. But then I get so wired after drafts. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like I I uh, I mean I'm kind of wired all the time anyway. But especially <laughs> after a draft and uh, my cousin's in the league and he and I like had this like texting marathon where we like <laughs> analyzed all kinds of stuff sometimes we do it on the phone this time we did it over text but yeah um so that was that was fun I just like you know I'm one of those people that's just like sitting there staring at my roster for like two hours after the draft just like <laughs> drooling or or you know getting annoyed about one pick that like yeah. someone stole a player right before my pick or something oh, yeah uh so <laughs> so there was a lot there to uh to think about um you know, this is I've, I've mentioned this league on the show before. It's a keeper league where you keep six guys. So I opted. I had four really strong keepers, I'd say, uh, with Max Scherzer, Manny Machado, Kyle Tucker, and Francisco Lindor. Oh, yeah. And then for my last two picks, I could have kept closers because I know <laughs> there's so few closers nowadays. So I, I did contemplate. I think I mentioned to you, I did contemplate keeping Razel Iglesias and Kenley Jansen, but I opted instead to go with the youth movement and kept Jared Kelnick and Spencer Torkelson. Um, So I was kind of curious, you know, there were a couple other people that kept young guys like Julio Rodriguez um, Mm. and Bobby Witt Jr., of course. Yeah. Uh, But a lot of the young guys didn't get kept. So I was curious how quickly those guys would go. Uh, CJ Abrams went in the first round of the draft. Uh, so did O'Neill Cruz. Um, try, some of them went went later. I I picked up some of the young my favorite young guys later. You know, I took Alex Kirilov, uh, Andrew Vaughn. Um, so I didn't, you know, I didn't kind of quit just with the uh, with the the Torkelson and Kelnick. And you said uh, you said keeper, but like it has a more of a dynasty feel, right? Because you can keep these guys forever. There's no like limit. Yeah, right. in that sense, it's like dynasty. Yeah, um, but in another sense, it's not because you only keep six. So it's yeah. there's like a there's a real focus on like high end talent. Yep. You know what I mean? Like there, a guy who has like a, a very solid career just doesn't is never going to be a keeper. You know, um, right? So like Michael Brantley types. You know, he's had a great <laughs> career, but he was never really a keeper. Uh, so you're not you're when you're keeping these young guys, you're hoping for guys who could really fully break out. You know? Yep. Um, and but but I I'm still trying to win this season. So I drafted a lot of guys in my earlier rounds that are uh, win now guys. You know I love Max Muncie, uh, so I took him. I took Cattell Marte, um, took Justin Turner at a great discount. He's always a steal in my opinion. <laughs> uh, and then my pitching staff. I'll be interested to hear what you think about this. It's a very uh, well-worn pitching staff. So <laughs> I have Scherzer. Yeah. And then my number two starter is Verlander. Oh man, extremely old, old. <laughs> Yep, uh, I have uh, Chris Sale, who will be heading to the IL shortly. <laughs> Zach Gallen, uh, oh, Mike Clevenger, and Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> oh my gosh, you got so many of these guys who are the guys we talked about on the starting pitcher podcast, who are the the aces returning from injury. I I yep. will say, like you know, 
in a vacuum, I mean, three years ago, man, you got a you got a rotation there. Um, now, now, maybe I don't know if I would have taken that many of the same kind of guy. Like that's I'm when I draft, I I might get a couple of those guys and then kind of pivot and take a more safe guy. But who do you have anybody else in your rotation? Any other starting pitchers? Like that's that's a lot of guys who are coming off Tommy John. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you know that there's like a modern mer- medical miracle now, Brad? Or Brad Bart? Uh, I don't. Even, it's like, uh, yeah, no, man. Guys come back off of uh, Tommy John, they're fine nowadays. So uh, I, I'm not worried about that really. Um, you know, this is like a 12 team mixed league, so there'll be there'll be starting pitchers on the waiver wire. I can yeah. I can pick up. I mean, there's already some guys on there that I'm kind of eyeing that didn't even get drafted. Well, I mentioned I love Carlos Carrasco. Another speaking of old guys, he didn't get drafted at all. Right, uh, Tony Gonsolin, I think you like as well. He's out there. Oh, yeah, you know um, Nestor Cortez. I know you're a fan of him. Yep, Drew Rasmussen. I like a lot. There's so there's some pitchers on the waiver wire too. And yeah. then if you just want like a a boring innings eater with a lower strikeout rate, those guys didn't get drafted either. So Cal Quantrill, Zach Grinke, Zach right. Plesac, Stephen Matz. There's there's a lot of pitchers out there. So if my old <laughs> Tommy John veteran uh, pitchers break down, I'll have a backup plan. Nice. Well, yeah. um, so, you know, speaking of guys, you know, pitchers who are dealing with some some issues uh, with their arm, some bad news for Jacob deGrom, you know, managers today. Uh, you know, word came out that he's dealing with, a, I think, something with his shoulder or scapula, something in his throwing arm. Not great. He's going to be... You know, he's probably going to miss a month is what I saw. I don't know. I, I, I didn't dig too much into the reports to see specifics. I did see, I sent you a thing that Brandon McCarthy tweeted, like, come on, guys, like, this is not the end of the world, you know, because my first reaction with the DeGrom news is like, you know, the sky is falling. <laughs> he's going to be out half the year or whatever. But, um, you know, his Cy Young odds went from like three to one to like 30 to one. So they didn't fall off a total cliff. Um, and who knows, maybe there's some value there. Cause like we talked about on the starting pitcher pod, you know, DeGrom, even if he gives you half a season, he can give you elite numbers. So if, as long as he doesn't miss the whole year, um, you know, I didn't drop him down t- too far. Like I put him past guy, like I put him in a tier, like behind guys like Lance Lynn and uh, you know, but ahead of guys like Chris sale. And I know I saw what you put on Twitter earlier about DeGrom versus Sale. So I'm curious to hear what you think about those two. Like, who would you draft between those two? Because you, you posted the question, but who would right. you take? I actually have them back-to-back right now. Okay. Uh, which I know is kind of hedging a little bit. But um, if I was forced to choose one of the two, I think I would actually lean Sale right now. Hmm. Um, and the reason is that he's not dealing with an arm injury. So <laughs> right. that that's more concerning to me. And also sales injury has been around a little longer. So um, he, it's already starting to heal. The heal, healing process has mm-hmm. reportedly begun. Um, I'm not going to try to spin it and say that like the update we got on Chris sale today was overly rosy. Cause I wouldn't describe it that way. There's still no timetable for mm-hmm. him to, to ramp up, but I mean that that that's a famous quote that can be misinterpreted. There's no timetable. It's you know because there's never a timetable until there's a timetable. So <laughs> right. Um, so I feel like sometimes you hear there's no timetable and a guy never comes back, and sometimes you hear there's no timetable, and he come and then like a week later, hey, there's a timetable, and it's only like a few weeks, you know. Um, so we'll have to see with Sale. Um, certainly, Degrom is more dominant than Sale, but I would say mm-hmm. Sale is a top 
five-ish dominant pitcher himself when he's healthy. So um, I'm not moving either of them super far down uh, to answer your your broader question. I mean, I think they're both still um, – let me see where I have them among starting pitchers now. Um, I, I would say they're still like around 30, you know, top 30-ish kind of starting pitchers um, just because of – how much ground they can make up in a short time. Like you said, DeGrom last season, he only threw 92 innings and he was the third most valuable pitcher. So yeah, that kind of tells you all you need to know about that. I mean, I, you know, I don't think he can necessarily quite match what he did last year because that was unreal. I mean, he had a one Oh eight ERA, not a whip one Oh eight ERA (laughs) and a 0.55 whip. So that's not going to happen again, most likely, but he, you know, from the day he's back, can he be the number one starting pitcher? I would say most likely yes, if he's healthy. Yeah, and and just uh, talking about, like, overall rankings, I moved DeGrom outside of my top 50, um, but just barely. I have Sale a little bit further down, so I, I definitely would go DeGrom over Sale. Um, but our, our overall rankings, which I feel like we should, you know, plug that are now up on rosrankings.com yeah we spent we what, spent a what? lot of time spent a lot of time there we've done all these position previews and now we've got the overalls up there um what we're going to talk about today is a lot of rankings disputes between the two of us um and also versus the uh, ecr on fantasy pros the expert consensus rankings um but before we get into that the other big news i wanted to touch on and i know i know you do too is uh, craig kimbrell to the dodgers so that's huge news we've been we talked about that on our relief pitchers podcast I can't remember kind of what we said about Kimbrel then because it's kind of hard to you know it was kind of nebulous what he was what was going to happen there, but we all we obviously liked Liam Hendricks a ton. Didn't see Kim, Kimbrel as like a a threat to him, and we talked about him potentially trading, and it was like well no one really knows. And then there he goes for I mean, AJ Pollock. Had, yeah, I mean they had just given no <laughs> yeah. real indications that they were shopping him, but that's often the case with trades. They kind of yeah you know if you want to get a trade done, it's best not to have it being litigated in the media for weeks before it happens so (laughs) it sounds like this trade actually was kind of on the table for a while between these two teams though it was more a question of what kind of a return uh, the White Sox would get in the deal I think maybe they initially were hoping for a young player but they they settled on AJ Pollock Um, (laughs) you know it's interesting because you you know Kimball versus Kenley Jansen are the Dodgers better off or worse off I don't know it's kind of pretty even swap and it's a pretty even swap in terms of the money as well um I was you know when I first heard the news I kind of got super excited about Kimbrel and moved him all the way up to like my top five closers yeah uh, but then as I thought about it more uh I I put him in, I, I settled on him putting him in the that erratic tier I mentioned with <laughs> with Kenley Jansen and yep. uh, Edwin Diaz and Araldis Chapman because I think that's kind of where he belongs at this stage in his career. Uh, he was completely dominant with the Cubs last season, but as soon as he went to the White Sox, uh, he struggled, and he had struggled the previous two seasons as well. So there's some questions, I think, about uh, Kimbrell. His velocity has been lower than it was uh, during his, his peak years. So I, I still think he'll be a top-10 closer, uh, and he should have plenty of job security, and it's obviously a, a tremendous situation, but... Uh, he's, you know, I think at this stage of his career, it's probably fair to call him a little erratic too. Yeah, that's a good call. Like putting him in that little erratic tier that you had. Um, I have him kind of in the same area, so I, I bumped him way up. Um, I still have him behind Ryan Presley, but I put him just ahead of 
Diaz and Jansen. So he's right there, and I have Chapman at the end of that. So like, I did my tiers a little bit differently, but I did like how you did like a little erratic closer tier, and uh, I would put him probably at the top of that uh, tier for me. So yeah, I'm I, I put him behind. Uh, I actually put him str- right behind Jansen and Diaz and ahead of Chapman. Uh, but it's all very close. Uh, the guy I also think he has to go behind is Class A. Um, he's, I think he just signed an extension with the Guardians, yeah, uh, which could help with his job security. Also, James Karinchek is dealing with an arm injury, hmm. uh, so he's been shut down for seven to ten days. So, you know, who knows when he'll return or how good he'll be when he returns. So that might give Class A a little more job security uh, heading into the season, and we know he's got great stuff. So the other side of this with AJ Pollock, um, I'm not sure how far up or down you might have moved him, but I moved him up slightly. Um, I moved him up a couple of outfield tiers for me, and I just I see him like I put him up there with like for me Miles Straw, Trent Grisham, Avisel Garcia, kind of this tier of guys who like now I think AJ Pollock maybe will play more a little bit every day yet to be seen. Um, I think. The Andrew Vaughn, uh, Gavin Sheets, we'll see kind of how that playing time shakes out. But I feel like if they traded Kimbrell for Pollock, I kind of see him as more of an ed- everyday player. And with with Pollock, I was thinking of him as being like kind of like, I don't know, maybe like a 20 home run guy, double digit steals, good average. And that's playing like 60% of the games with the Dodgers. That's kind of, that, that was sort of my projections in my mind. So if he's playing 80 or 90% of the games with a great team like the White Sox, I mean, He's moving to a probably a better uh, you know hitting environment, maybe slightly, and it's still in a great lineup. Not as good as the Dodgers, but um, maybe playing more. So I bumped him up a little bit. Okay, yeah. I mean, to me, it's all about the playing time. I, I'm not sure I buy that argument that his playing time is going to dramatically increase because of the trade. Uh, I I love AJ Pollock uh, in for the you know the kind of formats I tend to play in those daily lineup leagues because. On a per game basis, he's incredibly productive player, mm-hmm. um, but he has not played more than 117 games, which is what he played last year since 2015. And it, <laughs> really, it's about injuries. I mean, he's old and injury prone, and I think I don't think the Dodgers were sitting him because you know they they thought they had a better option for their lineup. I think they were sitting him to keep him healthy, um, and I think that the White Sox are probably going to do the same thing. So. I'm not. I'm just not so sure that he gets this big uptick in playing time. And even if he did, I think that would just increase the chances that he would get hurt and mm-hmm. then miss time on the IL. So I just think when you look at AJ Pollock, you have to just kind of take his career as a whole and just say he is what he is. You know, I mean, yeah. You hope for 110 to 120 games of really solid production from him, and then you fill it in uh, with somebody else uh, for the for the games he's either on the bench or on the IL. Yeah, the other the other part of this too, um, I feel like the uh, fantasy trade stock of Gavin Lux has been a little bit of a roller coaster since we've started our position previews because I think at the beginning, you know, we started with catcher, did first base, second base, so we got to Gavin Lux, and I think you liked him a bit, and then we ended up moving him down. Uh, you know, just some of the trade, you know, they got Freddie Freeman, and it's like, well, is there going to be room for Gavin Lux? And then now with this trade, you know, it seems like maybe Gavin Lux has a little bit more of a path to playing time. So I think if anything, we could move Gavin Lux up a bit. Um, Pollock, I, I get where maybe maybe just leave him where he is. I moved him up a little bit, but I think Gavin Lux is back on my radar a bit. Yeah, that's fair. This trade was good for one Gavin and bad for another. 
Uh, good for Gavin Lux, bad for Gavin Sheets of yeah. the White Sox, who <laughs> was slated to be their DH, but now with Pollock in tow, uh, that that could be an issue. I still think Andrew Vaughn is more likely to be in the lineup than Gavin Sheets uh, if both are health, healthy. So uh, I think that could be a problem for Gavin Sheets. Uh, Gavin Lux, I, it, let's see. You know, um, I don't think he's locked into starting job at this point um they do still have other options edwin rios is one guy i think you have to look at who could play uh they could put him at third they could move max muncie over to second base uh put chris taylor out in the outfield so they have a lot of moving parts there uh kevin pilar is also on the roster so you know if they put him in the outfield keep chris taylor in the infield then lux could get squeezed out that way too Mm -hmm. it's it I think he's. I think it's definitely good news for Gavin Lux, but I'm. I'm. I feel like there's some people I'm seeing on Twitter who are kind of going a little overboard with it and assuming he's <laughs> going to be an everyday player. And I. I just. I'm not quite sure that's true. Yeah, I just bump him up a little bit. Uh, keep an eye. He's back on the radar for me. Yeah, um, I bumped him up a little bit yeah. too. Um, yeah. But speaking of, you, you mentioned Muncie a couple times now. You mentioned you drafted him and Justin Turner, and I'm not surprised because when we, you know, went through. Uh, our rankings when we updated our overall i went you know went we went through and saw our differences and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today that like i mentioned and those are two guys who you like a lot more than i do and i think more than the expert consensus ranking so Mm -hmm. i I guess uh maybe you know if you want to talk about kind of what we're going to get into or we can dive right in yeah so as you mentioned at the top we have our rankings up at rsrankings.com we wrote notes for over 300 players as we were doing these position previews. So it's a great resource if you haven't drafted uh, your fantasy team yet. And if you have drafted your fantasy team, you should still look at that and figure out if there's some guy on the waiver wire that might be better than someone that's on your roster, <laughs> or if you need to make a trade, or if, or just if you want to pat yourself on the back because you drafted a guy who's awesome, uh, we'll give you that validation that you're looking for. Uh, but it, it's, yeah, so it's a great resource. Check it out. Um, but you know, Bart and I, we see eye to eye on a lot of things, but we don't see eye to eye on everything. So, uh, we thought it would be fun to do, organize a podcast around, uh, the differences that we have on some players. And then the, also the things that bind us together versus the expert consensus rankings of fantasy pros, which is a, uh, a, a you know, conglomeration of all the, uh, fantasy experts in the industry, um, so that's kind of where, where fantasy analysts are as a whole on players. So it's interesting to see players that Bart and I like more or less than, than that as well. So, uh, Bart was kind enough to create a spreadsheet for us of highlighting all the big differences that exist between us and between us and the ECR. And, uh, that's going to make for a fun show today, I think. Definitely. So let's get right into it. The first one that I saw that was a big difference and, you know, kind of starting right near the top was uh, Rafael Devers for your Boston Red Sox. I have him at 17 overall, and you have him at six. So you have him as right there in the middle of the first round. Uh, mm-hmm. So a little bit higher, a little bit higher than me and uh, a little bit higher than the ECR for sure. Yeah. And I don't mind that at all. You can say it's just my Red Sox bias, <laughs> uh, but you know, this is a 25 year old guy who is coming off a season where he hit 38 home runs, topped 100 runs, 113 RBIs, chipped in five steals, 279 batting average, and honestly, his batting average could go up from that. It's more—I think it's more likely to go up than to go down from that 279. So, I mean, 
yes, he's not a big stolen base guy. And I know some people, you know, say you got to take steals at the top, right? You just have to do it. Well, Vlad Guerrero is not a big steals guy. <laughs> he goes at the top, you know. Um, uh, uh, who, who else am I thinking? Juan Soto, he's not a big steals guy, right? He's a I mean, even Mookie Betts. Pick. Mookie Betts is not really getting steals anymore. Yeah, Mike Trout. I mean, yeah, like there's right. tons of guys that you can say go in the first round that aren't big steals guys. So I don't think we should hold that against Devers. I, if anything, I'd say batting average is like more rare than steals in, in today's game because there's so many strikeouts nowadays. And, you know, I just think Devers has that rare combination of uh, batting average and power. And it's obviously going to be a, a loaded lineup. It always is in Boston. So the counting stats and the run production numbers are going to be great too. I just, it's like kind of when I run the numbers, I just, I just see a first round pick. Yeah. And you know, some of it too is just the thin third base position. So I I've actually been moving third baseman up a little bit as I've been doing my overall and thinking about like, where would I take this guy or that, that guy? Cause like Jose Ramirez, he wouldn't be a, a in consideration, I think for the top two or three picks, if he wasn't a third baseman, I think he'd be down a bit further. Third base is just pretty thin. And so Devers probably bumps up a little bit there. You also like Manny Machado a bit more than I do. You have him at 15. I have him at 25 overall. But again, some of that might just be the third base position. Um, some of it's his, his his skills, but I mean, some of it's just that third base position is, is a bit thin, right? Yeah. I mean, you and I both had Machado as our third ranked third baseman, yeah. and we both had Devers as our second, right? So yes. it is sort of about the prioritization. I mean, I feel a little more like I want to plant my flag on Devers than on Machado. I could see maybe the 15 at, for Machado being a little bit bullish, but I wouldn't move him down past like around 20, at, you know, at most. So, and his ECR is at 22. So mm -hmm. it's not, I'm not that, that far uh, over my, over my skis with that one. But, um, but yeah, Devers is, I just, I don't know. I just think he's a first, first round pick. And, you mentioned uh, Jose Ramirez. Uh, that was something I actually was surprised by when I did my rankings. Is he actually ended up being my number two overall player behind mm. Trey Turner? Yeah, um, and it's just it, this the combination of power and speed, especially with uh, Fernando Tatis out of the picture. Yeah, uh, I just you can't really find anyone like Ramirez. I mean, Tur Trey Turner and maybe Bo Bichette are the closest things you could get uh, at this point to that, but. Ramirez has done it year after year after year. And even though he's not really a batting average guy, he's not a like a detriment there. So I just think the power speed combo is incredibly enticing with him. Yeah. Um, so I, I jumped from Devers to Machado without mentioning, uh, you know, one guy in between just wanted to mention the top starting pitchers here for a second, because Corbin Burns, you know, we have much lower than expert consensus. And I also have fantasy pros ADP up. So Corbin mm -hmm. Burns, we ranked, as our combined like 15th overall player uh, fantasy pros ECR has him as eight. And uh, that's, that's where he's going at ADP and Garrett Cole too. Garrett Cole's going as the number six overall player in ADP. So just something to, you know, be aware of during drafts. I don't know what happened in your draft last night. If uh, those guys were, you know, both in the first round or not, well, but that's where they're going. So yeah, oh, <laughs> they were already, that's true. They were kept. Yeah. But right, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's a pretty like, general philosophical thing right we i think you and i both come down on the in the camp of not spending your first round pick on a starting pitcher yeah um you know i think 
second round, you could see a bunch of starting pitchers come off the board. But, um, you know, I, I'm not so, like, dead set on getting a Garrett Cole or a Corbin, uh, Corbin Burns that I would, like, reach for them. You know, you can kind of let starting pitchers come to you a little bit. Um, I, I, I do want to get a, a couple high-end guys, generally speaking, but I don't think you need to spend it in the first round. That The first round is where you can get a really safe foundational piece. And let's be honest, no starting pitcher is safe. So <laughs> right. it's just you don't want your your first round pick to sink you, right? And uh, I think that's kind of why I come down on taking a position player there. Well, look at Lucas Giolito. I mean, that's who we, we both like him a lot more than ECR. So ECR and him is 40th overall, and he's our 28th you know, overall. We like him a lot more versus that so we, we like him a whole round earlier and that's a guy where I would much rather wait a couple rounds get a couple position players and get Giolito in the third round and I'm right. totally fine with him being my ace on my staff on my fantasy Ag- staff agreed I we need to get someone on the show that doesn't like Giolito to explain <laughs> the argument against him I, I don't yeah. really understand it because you know he offers something that I find to be very appealing which is a seemingly safe floor um, compared to other starting pitchers. I mean, he's 27 years old, so he doesn't have the age concern that some of these guys do. He's got three straight seasons of terrific numbers. And, you know, terrific numbers that are all incredibly similar year to year. Like, there's not been much variation at all in his K per nine year to year, in his walk per nine, in his home runs allowed, in his BABIP allowed. Um, in his ERA, in his whip, they've all been like incredibly similar year after year, which to me says that's just who this guy is. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's good enough to be a top 10 starting pitcher. So what are we what are we afraid of here? I mean, he pitches for a great team mm-hmm. uh, in a division where he should get a lot of favorable matchups, too. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I guess I don't understand what the argument is against Giolito. I don't either. I mean, I feel like he's like a Cy Young contender. And you're getting yeah. them down here. Yeah, like like the wins, you know, wins can be fickle, but like he's playing against the Guardians and the, the Royals and all those like you said, it's a it's a division that the White Sox should be really good in. Yeah, I like him a lot. I, I don't know why ECR is sometimes I think ECR tends to match up sometimes with ADP, and in this case it does. Um, I don't know. For whatever reason, I, I, I we both like him a lot more. I mean, I guess you can the only thing I could think of is like you look at his like ERA and it's always around like three five. Which is not as hot as low as you'll see with a Degrom or a Scherzer, yeah, Kershaw even in a lot of seasons. But but keep in mind those guys were all pitching in the National League with no DH, and that's done now. So yeah, a three five ERA is probably better now than it looked like before. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, I just yeah, I love I love Giolito. I I, uh, I I totally agree with what you said. Like why. Why take Corbin Burns in the first round when you can get Lucas Giolito in the third or fourth? Yeah, so so now uh, let's talk about a couple guys who, like one I like a bit more, one you like a bit more than, than each other, but not necessarily versus ECR. So Matt Olson, now with the with the Braves. I had him at, uh, let's see, 15th? No, 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 sorry. That was our difference. You I have him at 24th. I have him at 24. So just at the end of round two, and you have him at 39. So you have him more as like, you know, round four. You know, so a bit a bit of a difference there. Um, mm-hmm. Some of this, and I think you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm discounting some of the you know move from like the AL to the NL. 
Um, I know we've talked about that on previous podcasts, but I just look at him as like a plug and play for Freddie Freeman. He doesn't, he's not going to have probably the average that Freeman had, but um, I don't know. I just look at him in that lineup and I just see home runs and, and RBIs and runs and everything. And maybe I'm, maybe I need to take a look at his average and what that's going to maybe bring down a little bit. Um, but the other, the guy that you like more than me right after him, we have Trevor Story at 32 overall. I have him at 38, you have him at 26, so you like him a bit more. You have him more, like, kind of at the top of round three. So I thought that was interesting just because Story, you know, coming from Colorado, going to Boston, maybe not much of a drop-off, but should be some. But what do you think about Story being with Boston now? Yeah, well, I think, you know, when we did the shortstop pod, I was talking about how uh, leaving Colorado, I was expecting to downgrade him uh, uh, significantly, but... I just think the more I thought about it, Boston is just such a <laughs> ideal landing spot for him. It's kind of hard yeah. to knock him too much, you know? Um, so I, I still feel like he has this sort of five category potential. Um, I, I mean, he's probably not going to hit 290 like he was hitting in Colorado most of those seasons, but 270, 275, I think he can do that. And. I don't see any reason that the move is really going to affect his power and speed numbers. So uh, I still look at him as like a, a five category contributor. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I just, I just really like the package. I, um, if he had gone to like a bad situation, I would have knocked him a lot more. Cause I, you know, he's a good player. He's not like, um, you know, the most talented player in the entire league or anything where he can, necessarily succeed in any situation uh but i think this is another really good situation for him so if he's going from like the best hitting environment to like a, a top five but not the best i like i just don't see that as a reason to really downgrade him that much um yeah i think the only thing is uh like the steals you mentioned it'll be interesting to see like steals can be like manager dependent like we talked about um and i'm looking at some of the projections on fan graphs some of the different ones have him anywhere from 17 to 24 steals so that's a pretty big range and so if he's more like if he has 15 steals versus 25 that's obviously like a huge difference so you know that, that's one thing i'd consider. be very surprised if he only got 15 though i mean he had 15 in 2020 and that was only in 59 games so if anything i think he could top that 24 steals like i think he's more likely to have like 25 to 30 steals than he is to have 15 personally. well if he has yeah if he has 25 to 30 steals then you're definitely right there, and you know, ranking him a bit higher. Maybe we're even a little low on him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not predict. I'm not predicting that for the record, but I think 20 is like yeah, the 20 he had last season. I think that's a pretty solid baseline. Like I, I, I'm not too worried about it sinking much below that. So going through some of our rankings. Um, well, wait. Let me. I oh. just want to bring up Olson real quick. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying there, but um, so you know, I love to cite Baseball Monster because they do the the player valuation for five by five leagues. And so last season Olsen finishes the 25th overall player. So basically right where you have him ranked, you have yeah. him 24th, right? So then the question becomes, can he, can he match all of this, all of what he did last season? Because his 271 batting average last year was the best of his career. It was almost 20 points higher than his career average of 252. Uh, the 39 home runs was the most he's ever had. Um, he had 36 back in 2019. Um, he went over 100 runs, over 110 RBIs. Now, I know he's going to be in a great lineup there mm -hmm. uh, in Atlanta, 
I just, I don't know. I sort of look at last season and, you know, truth be told, I've always been known as like kind of a, a Matt Olson hater. I'm not a Matt Olson <laughs> hater. I have him at 39. Uh, that's, that's a, a pretty high ranking, but uh, you know, he's not going to offer the speed. I don't think he's going to be a real batting average guy. I think that that 271 is kind of the high end of what you can hope for. So to me, he's a very good player, but, um, but I just, I, I feel like that finishing 25th overall last year was like the the high water mark for him and that's why I think he'll probably drop down into that like 35 to 40 range this season which is no huge knock on him yeah he, he had a rough uh you know that 2020 season he had under 200 uh so under that Mendoza line so I think people remember that for sure but if you look at some of the other seasons previous like he increases average he increases home runs so like I look at him as he just turned 28 a uh, few days ago actually um so he's in the prime of his career going to that great team. So some of it, I'm just kind of like, well, he, you know, he's on the up or, I mean, sure. He could regress a little bit, but I just see him plugging into that lineup and I, I get excited about it. Um, and also That's first great. base. Yeah. First base. I don't know when I'm looking at it. I, I'm trying to think back to our first base preview, but I really want to get one of those like kind of top five or six guys. And I like Pete Alonzo a lot, but I like, apparently I like Matt Olson a lot too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm a little – I that was one thing I decided during my draft yesterday was that I was okay waiting a little bit mm-hmm. on first base, um, especially with the value I could get on Max Muncy. I mean, mm-hmm. if I just think if you compare uh, Matt Olson to Max Muncy, I don't think the difference is that huge. I mean, I think Max Muncy probably hits 250. My, Matt Olson maybe hits like 260, 265. Uh they, you know, Max Muncy has three. The last three full seasons he's played, he's hit at least thirty-five home runs. So, I don't. I think it's kind of a coin flip, which of them would hit more home runs. Maybe you could slightly lean Olson's direction, but it's not like a huge thing. And the, you know, RBIs and runs, same thing. I mean, you know, Muncy plays for the Dodgers, so he's going to get a lot of those too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I just think it's kind of. It's not that huge a difference for me between those two guys, and the ADP is a massive difference. Yeah, and Muncie is second base eligible, which is nice. Um, we have Muncie rate ranked 82nd overall, and a lot of that is because you have him ranked 59th. <laughs> so you do yeah. like Muncie a lot. But I will just you know to, to touch on him since you're talking about him. We have him combined 24 spots higher, so a full two rounds higher than ECR. So, nice job of taking credit for that. <laughs> you have him ranked exactly with I know. <laughs> I know. And, you know, as I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, maybe people like me haven't really caught up to the fact that, you know, everyone was kind of worried about Muncie, right? Kind of coming in with that UCL uh, injury or whatever it was. And so yeah. as he's playing in the spring, you know, maybe we just haven't kind of adjusted back enough on Muncie. That's the only, that's the only thing I can think of because yeah. – if you look at the track record, I mean, he's been like a top 75 player each of those yeah. three seasons. So it's just, it's proven production at this point. So going back up, um, we both like Eloy Jimenez a lot. And I think you probably convinced me a little bit. I think I might've bumped him up a little bit mm-hmm. in my outfielder rankings after we did that show. He had, He's at, uh, we have him at 38 combined and he's at 55 ECR. So we like him 17 spots higher. So yeah. I like Eloy 33. a lot. Yeah. I, He's, uh, I mean, I just think he and, and Jordan Alvarez are essentially the same player. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I would take Jordan first, but it's it's extremely close for me. And that's not really reflected in the in the expert consensus. 
Yeah, not at all. And the other guy we like a whole lot more is really the big risk-reward guy. And, I mean, everyone talks about uh, Adalberto Mondesi. <laughs> but, I mean, the ECR is at 74. And I, I didn't include everything in my spreadsheet. I would imagine the standard deviation is high on him, you know. Yeah. I'm, I guarantee you some people rank him 20th, and some people rank him 150th. You know, everyone's worried about the injury, but people know what he can produce. And in a Roto, you know, categories league, he can just carry your stolen bases. So even if you're like in a head-to-head categories league like I am, I have my draft next week, you know, I'm looking at Mondesi in like the fourth round because or even maybe I mean maybe third round but definitely the fourth round because he's the type of guy if he's healthy he can carry you every week in that stolen bases category so I like that well you know I agree with you I, yeah <laughs> you know it's funny because so the the fantasy pros ECR is supposed to be based on a five by five roto categories mm-hmm. format now, that doesn't necessarily mean though that the rankings that every person puts in is with that in mind so sure. Uh, they should be if they want to. If they want to finish high in the accuracy competition, they should factor that in. But the only thing I could think of is that there are some people who are more focused. Well, there's two things. One, I think there could be some people who are more focused on like uh, points leagues, and mm-hmm. you know, the points leagues thing kind of also blurs into like liking guys who are better real life hitters, like have better batted ball skills and things like that because Alberto Mondesi is not that guy like right. he doesn't have a good plate approach he swings and misses on a ton uh it's just he racks up the the speed the steals while also having 20 home run potential so uh he's just made for the roto game you know um there's also of course injury <laughs> concerns with him and that's valid too I mean you can't really expect him to play 160 games or anything close so uh, I think there might be some people who are just like ruling him out of consideration just because of that. But yeah, um, but he's he's kind of like the hitter version of Degrom in that sense. Like he doesn't need to play all season to really move the needle in fantasy because of how quickly he can rack up those stolen bases. Yeah. So um, after him, uh, there's a couple guys here. I like Tyler O'Neill a bit more than you. Mm-hmm. You know, 15 spots. I, I you know I like the season that he had. He's a young guy. You know, I, th- I think. I don't have a whole lot more to say to, on him versus what we talked about in the outfield rankings. Like I could be convinced to drop him a handful of spots where we might be a little closer, but you have yeah, a, I'm not sure we're so different on him. I think it might just yeah. be one of those things of like where we're putting different batches of outfielders in our rankings. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and maybe the same's for Lindor, but you have Francisco Lindor as more like a bottom of the third round pick and I've got him at 61. So, um, that's a that's a pretty big difference on Lindor. I guess maybe yeah. I'm just looking at last season and forgetting some of the great seasons he had in Cleveland. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm really I'm warming more and more to the idea that Lindor is going to have a huge bounce back season. I mean, I don't want to get caught up in the hype of spring training stats, but he is crushing the ball <laughs> in spring training this year. Uh, also, you know, this is also kind of a narrative thing, but. Going to, going from Cleveland to New York City was a major change in in media market, and mm-hmm. maybe he had a little bit of a adjustment period there uh, last season with that. And now second year in New York, it seems like maybe he's more comfortable, ready to roll. Uh, but ultimately, it's he's twenty eight. I mean, he's right in the prime of his career. He yep. has three seasons of thirty two plus home runs on on his resume already. He's got. 
uh, two seasons with like well with over twenty stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, basically the numbers last year were the lowest they have been in every single category and by a lot. So, and even then he still only struck out 18% of the time. I mean, he, he makes a ton of contact. He, he walked 11%. He still had a good plate approach. He just didn't get the results last year. Um, the BABIP was the lo- far and away the lowest it's ever been. I just, there's, it's just, I don't think the player we saw last year is Francisco Lindor. And I think this year we're going to, we're going to see that that's the case. Yeah, and if he can get back up in the stolen base category, that's going to help a lot. I mean, like he had 10 in 125 games, so if he can get back to that 20 to 25, that's going to be huge for his value. Yeah, um, I agree. So um, let's see here. After Lindor, uh, there's a couple guys I like a little bit more than you, but again, could just be positional stuff like Abreu, Nolan Arenado. I have like a handful of spots higher. Same with Aaron Nola and Freddie Peralta for you over me. We're pro- we probably have those guys in similar tiers. Mm-hmm. Um, the big difference versus ECR the next one I see is Kevin Gaussman who we talked yeah. about a little bit the guy I sat next to at the Squirrels game many moons ago mm-hmm. He, uh, you have him at 45 overall I have him at 64 and I'm more aligned with where the ECR is but you have him a, a bit uh, you know obviously like 21 spots you know higher or lower however you look at it so right. may, I don't know do you, do you like Gaussman a lot more do you think versus I do yeah, yeah. Well, I just I feel like he just changed his entire approach to pitching a couple of years ago, and ever since then he's been awesome. And I don't think it's just because he was pitching in San Francisco. I mean, that might have been key because it helped fix him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. I don't think it was. I don't think it was because he was pitching in the NL West in a nice ballpark. I don't. I don't think that's the reason that he put up such great numbers. I think it's because he's a really good pitcher, and uh, I just. I think we've seen it enough now. I mean, it, it really started in 2019, uh, but he had like bad bad luck with batted ball outcomes that year, so it didn't show up in the ERA that season. But ever since then, I mean, 2020 he was he was really good, and then last year he was even better. So, uh, you know, I I don't know if he'll quite match that 281 ERA from last season, but. Um, I think he I think he's gonna be really really good, and uh, it's it's. It's one of those things where it's like people instinctively say, "Oh, he's going to the AL East." Like write him off for dead now. But it's like, no, they've they've got the DH in the National League now, so it's a, it's an even playing field. And um, you know, there's good lineups in the AL East, but it's not like far and away better than other divisions. So I don't. I th- I think that's the kind of thing that can get a little bit over really over exaggerated in terms of its impact. Yeah, he's been in the AL East before, you know. But yeah, I think well, I, different pitcher back then, right? <laughs> absolutely. I think your Orioles you, ruined him for years. <laughs> I think what's interesting though is like exactly what you said. We're gonna find out, like you know, did the his his stint with the Giants, like did that kind of fix him, and he has a better approach because he's going to Toronto like with a great lineup. He could have, you know, he could be like a twenty game winner or something, you know. So we'll see if if it's like a, a good move or even a lateral move. Um, I have them a bit lower. I, I think some of like what we talk about, like going from NL to AL, you know, some of that, like some of the fami- familiarity uh, is lost. But yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. I, I, I mean, yeah. last season he was the 26th overall player and the ninth best pitcher. Uh, so yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm factoring in that he'll re- regress a little bit from what he did last year. And I still think uh, he should be good enough to be a top 50 guy. Yeah. So the next guy I see that, like, <laughs> I have higher than you but not nearly higher 
than ECR nor ADP is Salvador Perez. So the first <laughs> catcher off the board who had a great season last year. Uh, I mean, you rank him overall 70. I have him at 47, so a big difference there. But then ECR is 37, but then ADP is 30. Crazy, <laughs> so, like, man. I'm not getting Salvador Perez. Even though I like him more than you, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not getting him. That's that's too high. Yeah, he was the player I named as my quote-unquote bust in the Fantasy Pros survey of yeah uh, biggest bust. And, you know, I don't think he's going to be a bust in the sense that, like, you're going to be dropping him or anything. Like catcher the the bar for being a starting catcher is is very low uh but my my point is more like he could finish as the number one catcher and still be a huge bust because that like you said he's going in the third round in drafts and this is a old catcher on a bad team he's gonna be hitting in between like nicky lopez and andrew benintendi where are the rbi opportunities like i I know he did it last season. He hit 48 home runs. And to be fair, the power really started. The power increase really started in 2020. So I'm I'm perfectly willing to say that he can hit 30 to 35 home runs. Um, so I'm not like, even though his previous career high before last year was 27, I'm willing to say he'll hit more than that. Even so, RBIs are coming way down. The runs are coming way down. He's not that great in terms of batting average i mean he's not he's for a catcher he's solid but he's not a batting he's not gonna sniff 300 obviously he doesn't steal he's a catcher (laughs) so it's just it doesn't add up to me i mean it's just people this is a classic example to me of chasing last season's stats because salvador perez may have improved his his approach maybe he's a launch angle superstar but uh we we still have to factor in this is Salvador Perez. Like, we know who this is. He's not a third-round <laughs> player. Yeah, I agree. I mean, preaching to the choir here. You mentioned he doesn't steal. I mean, Dalton Varsho steals. Um, Will Smith, I like a lot. Uh, I have Will Smith and uh, Real Muto a bit lower, but I have them right next to each other. I can see Salvador Perez being, like, the number four or five catcher uh, when all is said and done. And I that's... could easily see Kiber Ruiz or yeah. Alejandro Kirk finishing ahead of him. Or right. even Yasmani Grandal. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, so, there's lots of guys. Yeah, I mean, so it's not about not liking the guy, but at that ADP, I agree. That's like super bust territory. <laughs> yeah, it's just a really bad way to build your team. Like, don't build your team around a 32-year-old catcher on a bad team. <laughs> don't do that. Agreed. All right, <laughs> so the next uh, next few here, um, there's a couple pitchers that we both like more than ECR. You like a bit more than me, but we both like them. And then there's one who I like a bit more than you. Um, so let me, let's me let start with the guys that we both like. So Carlos Rodon and Charlie Morton, uh, we have at 58 and 59. And Rodon is 94th in ECR, and Charlie Morton is 78th. So we like them a good two or three rounds earlier. So we're probably both going to get a lot of those two. Yeah, drafts. although I'm much, much higher on them than you are. Yeah, right? you are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Rodon, I just, I, I'm all aboard on Rodon at this point. I, he, It's all about the velocity. I mean, he had this huge increase in velocity last season, and he basically turned into a Cy Young pitcher because of it. And he's throwing with that velocity this spring. So the question is really just how long can he maintain it? Can he maintain it for the full season? And I understand that's like a legitimate concern, but – if you look at the numbers that he put up last season, I mean, it just, even though he he basically faded in the final third of the season, he still finished as the 22nd overall pl- 
player and a top eight pitcher just because of how dominant he was in those mm-hmm. first four months of the season. So, um, you know, I'm building in that he might not make it through the whole season pitching like this. I don't care. Like if he, as long as he's doing the exact same thing he did and now he's in San Francisco, I mean, that's an even better place to be. So uh, even if they're going to have the DH and then NL, I don't care. San Francisco is always going to be a really nice spot to be pitching in. Um, so yeah, I just, I think he's, he could be like the number one pitcher at the all-star break. Like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. definitely possible. He could be. And I don't know if you want to say much more on Charlie Morton. We talked about him a lot in starting pitcher too, how we like him more than, I mean, it was clear we yeah. liked him more than ECR at the time even. Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting thing is, I think it's fair to say you and I both like Charlie Morton and you and I both like Lance Lynn, but uh, we have them kind of flipped in our rankings. I have Morton at yeah. 49 and Lynn at 76 and you have Lynn at 46 and Morton at 73. So, uh, you know, we're both higher uh, than consensus on Morton. You're only a little bit higher than consensus mm-hmm. on Morton. I'm a lot. And then with yeah. Lynn, I'm, I'm a little below consensus on him and you're uh, above. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I to me, that was more about like placing guys in the rankings. I think I don't I definitely do prefer Charlie Morton to Lance Lynn um, just because I feel like the track record of the kind of pitcher that he is now is longer uh, with Lance Lynn at you know, he was a solid pitcher for a long time, but he wasn't what he was last season, I guess. And, um, yeah, you know, I just kind of feel like the, the batted ball data with him suggests a little bit of regression. Whereas like with Morton, I just feel like this is just who he's been for, <laughs> for several years now. Um, so I, I, you know, I slightly prefer Morton, but it's not really a big knock on Lynn. Cause I do really like Lynn a lot. I, you know, he can regress quite a bit and still be very, very good. So yeah. I would be very happy with either of those guys as like my second or third fantasy starter. Yep, absolutely. So I, I won't say much more about Lance Lynn. I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Like he, he could regress and still be like a three two five or three four ERA. And I mean, he's he's also been not, he hasn't been doing it as long as Charlie Morton, but but he has had. I mean, he's been pretty solid for like eight seasons, and he's coming off. Well, he's like always the best been. ERA he's always career. had a low ERA. It's just the strikeouts yeah. have gradually risen. Um, yeah. So that's that's the interesting part. I feel like, and the WHIP also. I mean, like before twenty twenty, he had never had a WHIP below one twenty two, uh, except I guess in his rookie season where he threw thirty four innings, uh, and then the last two seasons he's had a one hundred six WHIP and a one hundred seven WHIP. So he's taken a major, major step forward. I mean, he, he was a pitcher that like, I, I used to think he was kind of overdrafted at times just because people look at ERA first uh, and the accompanying numbers weren't that good. The strikeouts were under a batter and inning. The whip was high, but he's not that pitcher anymore. Now he has a strikeout rate in the double digit K per nine. And that, that whip has been really nice the last two seasons. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to run through a few here. Feel free to chime in on any of these, but these are guys who, we like a lot less than ECR. So these are all guys who are ECR kind of like in the 50 range, 40 to 50. Uh, Wander Franco, we like 10 spots less. George Springer and Nick Castellanos, we like about 20 spots less. And then uh, Sandy Alcantara, I like him more than you. In fact, I've actually lowered him a starting pitcher tier since we did this a couple days ago. Um, Mm -hmm. 
but we like him about 30 spots less. And some of that's because of your ranking, but I also like him less than ECR. But yeah. we're all lower. I mean, we're, we're both lower than all those guys on ECR. Yeah, well, you, you, I won't rehash my argument on Alcantara too much. It's just, it's basically that, that point that like it's projecting a lot of mm-hmm. improvement based on yep. the last two months of the season and extrapolating that to a full year when he hasn't done it yet. That's pretty much it. I still think he's a really good pitcher. I just, I just don't want to pay for it before he's proven he can do it over a whole year. Yeah. Um, let's see. I hate being down on Wander Franco. I don't want to. <laughs> but, I mean, he just hasn't really put up the power and the speed numbers in a 5x5 five right. five Roto League to justify a, a super high ranking. You know, it, that's that's the ultimate case of projecting. And mm-hmm. if you're going to project on anyone, Wander Franco is probably the guy you should do it on because he's incredibly talented. But uh, I don't know. I just... We're not that far down on consensus on him. I think he has a really high floor, but I just question how high that ceiling is, at, at least at this stage in his career. I think people don't want to miss out on Wander Franco. Like, I think he's more of the name and the hype at this point than a fantasy star because we haven't seen it, like you said. So I think people just, like, at some point, people are like, I'm going to draft this guy. And he has third base eligibility, which is nice. Um, George Springer, I've heard a lot of people who like, and, and I like him more than you, but I don't mm-hmm. like, I'm still 10 spots lower than ECR on him, and we're both much lower on Cassianos, even though he did, like, Philly's a fine landing spot, but it's not as good as Cincinnati, and I don't know. I think people are just, sometimes when people get traded, I think people get excited about guys. Being in a new ballpark, new team, new lineup, all that jazz. So, I don't know. We're both a little bit lower on those guys. I feel like I'm always a little lower on these two guys, to be honest with you. Like, it's not unique to this season, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the move away from uh, Cincinnati is not is not great news for Castellanos, even though Philly is a, a decent fallback. But I mean that 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 was a huge boost to his value. That ballpark was just incredibly favorable. Um, you know, I also think he just he's this guy that like people were expecting last season for years. Like there's just people that are Nick Castellanos truthers, I guess you could say. So they got yeah. that season last year, and now they're obviously very excited and certain he can do that forever now the rest of his career but I don't know I mean he had a lot of years where he was like solid but not spectacular you know and it's like he just seems like one of those players that might be a better real life player than than fantasy player I, I I feel like there might be some regression coming for him this year and Springer it's like it's always the potential with Springer I feel like people place all these traits on him that he doesn't really deserve you know like he doesn't run anymore at all and people seem to forget that uh he doesn't hit for much average most of the time either uh the power is pretty legit i mean he could he could hit 40 homers i wouldn't be shocked but um and and the run production should be really good in toronto too but the injuries are another another big mark against him you know it's just he's he's almost certain to miss some time yeah so uh after these guys there are a few pitchers here. I won't rehash Robbie Ray. We talked about him in the starting pitcher episode. Huge I like risk. him a bit more than you. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm super nervous about him. I'm actually I think yeah. I've been moving him down more and more because I just <laughs> the more I think about it, I'm like, man, I do not want. I would not want to spend a top four or five round pick on Robbie Ray. I just would not feel good about that. Yep, and that's about where he's going. But after that, there's the, there's the older guys. There's Kershaw and Verlander who combined we like a lot more now. 
I'm more aligned with the consensus on Verlander. I do like Kershaw a bit more than so. I have Kershaw at 87. He's going or the ECR rather is 118. But you like both guys like in your top 50. So you're you're getting a lot of these these two uh, in drafts. Yeah. Well, and actually, since we did these rankings, I've updated my rankings and pushed Verlander even higher. So I'm, I feel pretty strongly that I would take Verlander ahead of Kershaw at this point, simply because uh, I just, I know it sounds weird for a guy that's 39 <laughs> years old, but I expect Verlander to throw a lot of innings this season. Uh, and I think it he's pitching, he looks just like he did two years ago when he was dominant, you know? Uh, right. It doesn't seem like... We have yet to see any sign of decline from Justin Verlander when he's been on the mound. So if he's looking like that now, and they have no reason to limit his innings, I mean, he, he's playing on borrowed time at this point, you know, so he's going to let <laughs> yeah. it all go. And uh, yeah, I just I think Verlander could be a, a top 10 starting pitcher this season. Yeah, I think he can too. Um, I mean, I like him a little, like, I get, I'm kind of right there with ECR, but I don't know, I could... Now that we're starting to see guys in spring training, like I'm starting to bump guys up too. So maybe I need to look, take another look at him. Yeah, um, and and to me, Kershaw is like super undervalued too. I don't yeah. understand how he can be going, how he can be ranked 118th. I mean, I know they're factoring in that he's going to miss a lot of time. Like that's just sort of an assumption, I guess. Uh, and it's a fair assumption, but I mean, he only threw 120 innings last season, and and he still. Let me see where he finished. He was. He threw 120 innings and he was the 107th player. So uh, he's currently the 118th, according to Fantasy Pros experts. I mean, that's assuming he throws less than that. I mean, I would say he's probably going to throw more than 120 innings. I mean, maybe he doesn't throw 160, but 140 or something. I mean, it seems not that overly ambitious. <laughs> yeah. Um well, let's move on to some non-pitchers here. We got uh, Anthony Rendon. We both have pretty much right on top of each other here. Uh, we're around 76 combined, and he's going at 95th. Well, mm-hmm. not going at. I, I don't have ADP in front of me, but we're looking at ECR. So we like him about 20 spots higher than ECR. Some of that could be position-related. Um, Bobby Witt Jr., we talked about him a bunch. And he's, like, talking about third base. Like, he'll probably get third base eligibility pretty soon. So, like, that's big. Um, and if he's there from day one, got to like Bobby Witt Jr. You have him at 69. I have him at 92. ECR is 110. If we get, like, you know, if he's definitely going to be there opening day, I'm going to be much closer to you. In fact, I might even have him getting closer to my top, you know, 60 I was going to say, you might have him closer to me, but I won't be there anymore. Yeah. I'll move him up more. <laughs> he might get close to my top 50. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, I just looked up the the uh, ADP data for Rendon. He's like around 100th overall. Man. But here's the funny thing. Uh, he's he's 50th overall at ESPN. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everywhere else, he's like, well, he's like way down there. But at ESPN, he's going early for some reason. I, it must have something to do with the, the pre-draft default rankings that when you when you open your draft app well that's a that's a good good point to make though honestly like you know there's a lot of people who listen in here who might be in different leagues i mean we're think you and i are both in yahoo leagues but people are in espn league cbs there's all sorts of different formats and, and apps and sites you can use so those adps are gonna vary wildly based on whatever you know yeah like what whoever's doing those projections and however they're gonna have people you know sort you know in their draft and stuff like that so yeah, interesting. 
Yeah, that's one of the first things I do when I'm preparing for a draft, honestly, is look at the default rankings and figure mm-hmm. out who are the guys that are going to be late-round steals. Like, who are guys I can wait on and get <clears> later, you know? Well, I was going to ask you about that, you know, real quick with guys like Muncie, with guys like uh, Carlos Rodon. So, like, you have them ranked, you know, 40, 50 spots higher. Do you, you know, you probably still wait. You don't necessarily draft them there, but you might wait an extra round or two. But at some point, you're kind of like, hmm, I'm going to get my guy, right? But, yep. Yeah. Um. So, I took, let's see, in the draft. Uh, so, again, we keep the first six pick so the draft starts essentially in round seven right uh, i decided to prioritize uh closer there and i went with ryan presley mm-hmm. uh, and then i took Cattell Marte, which is funny because i actually have muncie i think i have muncie ranked ahead of Marte, but Mar- Marte was much higher up in the yahoo rankings right so and he has outfield eligibility too and muncie mm-hmm. has first base also so i was kind of like Maybe I'll just take both of them, you know, because I felt like Muncie was probably going to still be available at my next pick, and sure yep. enough, he was. So I took Muncie in the ninth round, and then I, I actually – Rodon went one pick ahead of me in the tenth, but I took Verlander mm. instead, so I'm fine <laughs> yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah. It's good to know those things and have those in the back of your mind, though, because when you have in your mind, like, how you see guys, you don't necessarily have to draft them. You know, you don't have to draft Carlos Rodon in the – fourth round of a typical draft you could probably right. get him in the fifth or sixth or even seventh but you know don't wait too long <laughs> to get exactly your guy. <laughs> well you want to you want to make sure you leave some room for profit if you yep if you take them where you have them ranked they need to do what you think they're going to do just for you to break even <laughs> right yeah all right so let's see where we are here so we were we already talked about uh, uh let's see we talked about muncie i skipped over um jared walsh who we like a bit higher um we have him around 79, and ECR has him at 105. So he's yeah, he first felt base like a brick in my draft last night. I don't know why. Did he? He didn't, yeah. he didn't go until the 13th round. I don't know if some of that's just because, like, you know, he's coming off a good year, but he hasn't really done it a whole lot. Um, maybe people aren't believing in it, but I like Jared Walsh. Yeah, I think part of it in this league, again, because it's a keeper league, people are generally taking younger guys. And he's, even though, like, he's had a recent breakout, he's not really a young player, so... I yeah. think, you know, I th- I think there's a general feeling that like we've already seen his best, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's fair or not. I like Jared Walsh, like you know, like you said, we have him above the ECR. So I, for me, it was just like need based. It didn't like it never kind of was the right time in the draft for me to take him. But but by the time he went, I was like, man, that's a great value. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting as we get through here, like seeing some people like Joe Musgrove who. ECR has him about 20 spots higher than us. But like when we talked about Joe Musgrove on our starting pitcher podcast, I was like, we both had good things to say about him as a guy that I thought people wouldn't necessarily want to draft and you you can get him. And then ECR, maybe his ADP is different, but um, that's kind of interesting. Another guy. I'm surprised I have him. Uh, I thought I was higher on him than you, but I guess uh, apparently not. <laughs> I know it's interesting now that we're seeing these all side by side, how some of them were wildly different and then some are, were like almost exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. You skipped no. over Logan Webb too. He's a guy that I'm, I oh, seem yeah. to be a lot lower on than, uh, than both you and the, the ECR. Yeah. You have him at 90th. I have him at 66. Yeah. I, I told you in the starting pitcher podcast, I have a soft spot for him because he won me a lot of money at the end of last year, betting on mm-hmm. his over outs. He was just a workhorse uh, down the stretch. And I'm just kind of hoping that, that's what he kind of becomes, that the Giants are going to give him, you know, 180 
to two, to 190 innings, and he's he's that guy who throws six innings every game. I, I don't know. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, I, he feels like an up up and coming. You know, kind of. I don't know if he's like got that ace material, but like I just I don't know. I like Logan Webb. I hear that. Well, the ECR agrees with you. For yeah. my objection to him is pretty much the same as it is for Alcantara. It's like prove it over a full season, <laughs> and also yeah. just like the strikeouts haven't been amazing. You know, so true. It's kind of this the the, the I'm the thing about strikeouts, and I know I talk about them all the time, <laughs> but it's 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 kind of a twofold thing for me because it's like the strikeouts themselves have a lot of value in fantasy, but I also feel like they're the one thing that a pitcher fully controls. You know, when you strike a guy yeah. out, it's a hundred percent chance that he's going to be out. <laughs> if you're giving up a lot of contact, it, you're you're putting it up to chance. You know, BABIPs yeah. fluctuate wildly from year to year, and guys who give up a lot, let the ball you know be in play a lot, especially if it's on the ground, you don't know where it's going. <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, or in the air, it could be home runs. You know, right? But home Logan Webb, you, so he does have that good ground ball rate, and I like mm-hmm. that. And I like I don't know versus Alcantara, for instance. Like, at least the Giants have been winning a lot of games pretty much year after year. The Marlins. I've got to, I've got to move him down a bit. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't yeah. I, I feel like maybe I have my Marlins pitchers a little bit too high. That's fair. I mean, they definitely have an exciting young staff, but they do. But it's yeah. I, to me, it's more with that Marlins staff. Like throw them in a hat and throw them <laughs> up in the air and see. In terms of the order of finish, it's it could go many different ways. They they'll all probably be pretty good as they stay healthy. But it's it's anyone's guess how, like what order they finish in in terms of fantasy value. Yeah. So one uh an old guy who you have ranked higher than me. I was I was excited to see this cuz I was thinking about getting him in my top 100 and I couldn't quite do it. Nelson Cruz, you have him at 71. Yeah. I mean, he's still awesome. Like He when, is. You know, it's like I feel like it this is like ageism run amok, man, to not <laughs> rank Nelson Cruz in the top 100. He's always a top 100 player. Uh, you know, yeah. the batting average was the thing that dropped off last year, but his strikeout rate was actually lower than it had been the two previous seasons. So it was just that the BABIP was lower. Um, I don't know, man. I, I could see the batting average bouncing back up. I mean, mm-hmm. for most of his career, he's been a good batting average guy, you know, and we know the power is still there. I mean, 30 plus at least, maybe 40, you know. Um, I think he's one of those guys that people – like just forget about because he's old and he's utility only. So people aren't looking to draft utility players. They, they, they right. often don't even think to, to look for him, you know, like in yeah. my draft last night, he fell so far. I can't even tell you. <laughs> it was like, and again, people are, you know, drafting young players cause it's keeper league, but come on, man. He went, he, he went to the 15th round. That's absurd. It is. And you look at his durability Honestly, like he's had pretty good durability. I know, like in recent years, like he played 140 games uh, last year between two different teams. 2019, he played 120. Before that, 144. But then he had a lot of seasons where he played 155, 159. He's gonna just be a DH. I mean, maybe he'll have a little IL stint for. He is old. I, mean, I expect him to like, you know, pull a muscle or something and and be on the IL. But like, if he plays 140 games, like, yeah, he's gonna be. He's he's still awesome. He's still going to hit 30 whatever home runs and yeah. I like the average yeah. to come back up too. He's probably going to get traded to to like some yeah. amazing lineup for the second yeah. half of the season. Maybe he's a good guy to like, you know, if you don't get him, then keep him, you know, think about him as a trade target like you said. You know, cuz he's going to be a trade target 
in real in real life. So why not in fantasy too? Yep. Yep. All right. Um, you also liked Jorge Polanco a bit more than me. I don't know if you care to you know touch on him. Well, that one surprised me a little bit because I don't feel like I'm particularly high on him. I'm lower <laughs> than the ECR, but you're just really low on him. Yeah. You know, I was my concern with him was that he might not run as much as he did in the past, but I otherwise feel like he's got a pretty solid skill set. I mean, the 33 home runs last year were probably the high water mark, but I just think he's a very solid player and the second base eligibility lends a lot of value, but I'd be interested to hear why you have him outside your top 100. Yeah, I guess maybe for me it's just looking at like like you said 33 home runs being that high water mark and like 98 RBIs um Maybe I'm just expecting a little more regression back to where he was before that, looking at like his 2017 to 2019 seasons and just being a little bit more kind of what he was. Um, but he, you know, he also hit for a higher average in a lot of, a lot of seasons. But I guess for me, like it is nice that he's second base and shortstop eligible, but some of this could just be tears and, and liking some other guys kind of in that range for me. Um, but yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I just, for me, he's kind of like, a decent consolation prize if you don't get one of the top second basemen. It's like I, I still feel like he's pretty pretty good. Like I won't feel I wouldn't feel bad going into my season with Jorge Polanco as my starting second baseman. You know? Yeah. So uh, Kenley Jansen, I am still like a little bit. You know, this is a little suspect to me. So the ECR has him at one nineteen. We have him around eighty nine. You know, kind of splitting our, our ranking, and I, I'm fine with where you have him ranked. You know, eighty three, whatever. Why is the ECR so low on him? And, you know, I brought this up during the closer when we we're talking closers and how Will Smith was like basically the same odds to lead the league in saves versus Kenley Jansen on Bet MGM. And I was like, what is up with this? And I'm just, I don't know. I like something in the back of my mind is like, is Will Smith going to be the closer? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it's just weird. It's weird. I don't to me. think so. I, think I don't think so is, either. I think this is more like what you were talking about before with Max Muncie, where. People were worried about the injury, and they they haven't like adjusted it yet yeah. because of that. I think with with Kenley Jansen, it's kind of a similar thing where it's like, you know, people weren't sure where he was going to sign or what was going to happen with that, and it's just been slow to like adjust. I mean, Atlanta has a great great landing spot for him, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and his his ADP is 96, so uh, his ADP is a bit, uh, you know bit better than what ECR is. So yeah, this could be factoring in some some of the experts in that ECR who maybe uh, are a few days behind, you know, in ranking him or something. Yeah, I also feel like, I don't know, we talked about this on the closer one a little bit. I, I feel like people kind of have this assumption that like his play has fallen off or something. And right. it hasn't. I mean, no. it, it has a little bit to like 2016, 2017 when he was like number one best closer in baseball by a healthy right. margin, but it hasn't fallen off the way like Craig Kimbrell's play has fallen off. You know, I mean, yeah. his expected ERA has still been under three every single season of his career. So, uh, and last year was one of his best statistical seasons yet. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really get why he's, why he's as far down as he is in the ECR. So we're, we're still in the top 100 here. Uh, on our overall rankings, and there's a bunch of pitchers here that who I have higher than you. I don't want to talk about all of them because we still have a lot of guys to talk about. Yeah. But Max Fried, Jose Barrios, Jack Flaherty, and Shohei Otani, the pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I ranked all of them, you know, 30 to 40 spots higher than you. And in the case of Shohei Otani, 
Now, this is a hard one to kind of figure out, and I don't, we don't have to talk about this too much, but like, I ranked him at 65. I had him kind of in a tier, probably several tiers above where you had him. So there's a big difference. You ranked him at 121. So I don't know. Maybe like, did you have a hard time ranking Otani the pitcher, or did you just kind of throw him in a tier of guys you kind of saw him, you know, around? Because I, I obviously like have him much higher. I mean, I, I the the challenge to me is just predicting how many innings he'll throw because um, there's a number of different factors with that. I think one is whether he'll hold up. Two is how does the six man rotation affect his inning totals, and then three just. I think I floated this concept on the starting pitcher pod, but he's such a good hitter that, like, if he's not pitching that well, it, they may just make a calculation that they would rather just have him focus on hitting. Right. You know, I, I, especially because they already have a six-man rotation. Like, it'd be easy enough to go down to a five-man rotation, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I don't – I'm not predicting that that's going to happen. Um, but uh, I just – to me, he's, like – He's a good pitcher, but uh, I think the hype is a little out of control. I think I think like just the dynamic, super like two way athlete that he is like inflates his pitching value a little bit because yeah. um, his walk rate is kind of on the higher side. So I don't think he's going to be like a huge like whip guy. Um, last year it was one hundred nine, but most of the projection systems have it more like around one hundred twenty, and I think that's more realistic. Uh, I think the ERA was, you know, the peripheral su- suggests that's going to come up a bit, probably mid threes or maybe even a little higher. K rate is really good, but it's not like elite elite, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I, for me, it's just sort of like, yeah, I mean, he's a good pitcher. I don't think he, he's, to me, he's like a three or four in a fantasy rotation, not like a one or two. The other guy I think we should probably touch on a little bit here is Jack Flaherty, just because the ECR on him is 169. I have him at 79, and you have him at 106, and now I'm scared that I have him a bit too high because the shoulder injury is a concern. Um, I don't think we've seen him in spring training this year. I don't think he's going to be ready for opening day, all that. He's pro- we're probably not going to see him till say, like May. At least that's that's kind of what I've been, been reading. So maybe I should back him off a little bit. Um, that's just one that we're much higher than ECR, and I'm thinking – maybe I need to dial it back a little bit to at least get in line with you (laughs) or or somewhere in there and maybe even closer to ECR. Yeah. I mean, the reason I have him higher than ECR is because I'm, I'm trying to advise people how to draft and maybe I should move him down just to try to game the system with the accuracy rankings. Um, Cause if he does miss a bunch of time, Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for him to finish as high in the overall rankings. But I mean, this is around where I would recommend drafting him, where I think right. the risk and the reward balance out, like around, you know, just outside the top 100 players. Um, because my, my concern with him is, like you said, we just haven't been getting any updates recently, and it is an arm issue, so that's never a great uh, shoulder issue. Um, but the, the the other concern I have is just his, his performance has not been super even throughout his career, you know? Um, right. Like, he can look like a total ace at times, but there are other times where he doesn't quite look like that ace, you know? Um, he had a rough rough time in 2020. Now, it wasn't a lot of innings, granted. but uh, And then last year, the K rate was down a little bit. Uh, and actually, the peripherals last year, like his ex-ERA was 492. Mm. Uh, so, I yeah. don't know. There's just like, 
I think, like, overall, I think he's a very good pitcher. I just think it's not like with Chris Sale or Jacob DeGrom where it's like, if he's healthy, he's going to be awesome. Like, I think there's a little more of a question mark with that. So you combine that with the injury question mark, and that's that's why, uh, you know, I can't be too over the top on him. I feel like you could do a bold prediction on him and go either way because we saw him be really good in 2018, 2019, and now with the injury, you know, the 2020, 2021 seasons, like his ERA is, yeah, it went from three to, you know, five and it, like you said, his XERA was almost five last year. So, um, but I could see him, you know, getting back to that form. But the injury is concerning. I, got, I need to, I need to reevaluate. I think uh, my ranking on <laughs> Jack Flaherty. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know how long he's going to be out. Like, it is one of those things where we could get a positive update, and maybe he's back yeah. in a few weeks. You know, and in yep. that case, I think your ranking is totally justifiable. I just think until we until we have some sense of that, it feels like a little more caution is probably the way to go. Yeah. So I'm going to jump around a little bit, but just in the same breath, kind of talk about sale. We talked about him a little bit up top. We we're both higher on sale versus ECR. We actually both have him right at, you have him at 107 and I have him at 108. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and then uh, ECR is 140. So we have him about, you know, three rounds, you know, earlier to take sale. And, you know, he's dealing with a rib injury. He's not dealing with a, a shoulder strain or a, elbow tendon issue where he's getting injections so that's that's at least good um but yeah we don't like we we talked about it we don't have a timetable on him but i think you know i would reach on sale a bit higher uh, or a bit earlier i should say than ecr has him at least yeah i actually moved him down about 10 spots today with that <laughs> sort of weird ambiguous uh yeah. update that there's some healing but there's no timetable uh I don't know what to make of that exactly, but it just got me temporarily a little nervous. But I'm still well above ECR on him. Yeah. A couple guys that were um, lower on ECR, Christian Yelich, were about 20 spots lower on ECR. Mm-hmm. That he He's a, around 80 for them, and we have him closer to 100. Jonathan India, same thing. Uh, we have him around 100, um, and they have him around 80. I actually like Jonathan India a lot, and I, I think I even mentioned this to you. Like I need to move him up a little bit, but... Um, Maybe I will, since I, I kind of want to get him in some some leagues, but uh, I definitely won't if I have him ranked 100th. One guy <laughs> I like a lot more than you is Frankie Montas. I have him around 80. You have him around 120. So I'm more with the ECR. Uh, you don't have Montas very high. And I think, I don't know, is some of this just because Oakland is terrible? <laughs> and you, don't expe- you expect him to win like eight games? or I mean, I feel like he had a great second half. And I, you know, I feel like he could keep that going. Even with a bad team, I mean, we not to compare him to like a Shane Bieber, but like we've talked about other guys who are on expected bad teams who we still like okay. And I think Montas is a guy who I'm perfectly fine having inside my top 100. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned on the starting pitcher show that I was a little biased against him because he like yeah that's screwed right. me over <laughs> last year. Like I drafted right. him instead of Shohei Otani, the batter, and then he was terrible at the beginning of the season and I dropped him and then I didn't get to benefit from when he was actually good. (laughs) So it was kind of a nightmare, but I don't know. I mean, that speaks to my main concern though, is that like, it's not so much that he's on Oakland because he could very well get traded and it is a good pitcher's Mm -hmm. park, even if he stays there. But I mean, he had a five sixty ERA in 2020. Um, And then last year, I mean, he he had a six twenty ERA in March and April of last year. Uh, it's in a 528 area in June. I mean, as, like 
his ERA at the All-Star break was 441 last season. Uh, so if you take 2020 and the first half of 2021, that's like almost a full season of not being good. <laughs> and then <laughs> he was great. Yeah, and then he was great <laughs> in the second half. And yeah. so the overall numbers look pretty nice. But even there, the expected ERA is you know closer to four. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't fully trust the skill set, I guess, is what it comes down to. Like, I just, trust is an important thing with starting pitchers, and I just don't, just don't fully have it with him. <laughs> um, Jonathan India, I, I'm, I'm happy with where I have him ranked. The more I thought about it, I just, cause I, you know, when we did the second base, um, pod, I think I kind of put him in like the same tier, uh, with, with some other second basemen, um, that I uh, that I like a lot, uh, and then as I thought about it more, I was like, eh, there's a little bit of a gap. Like, I prefer mm-hmm. I I prefer Polanco and Marte and Muncy and Baez, guys like that, uh, over India because I just I know India looked good last year, but um, it's just I don't know. It's kind of like I need to see more. Like I I feel like he was good but not great. You know what I mean? And I feel like. Some of it is projecting some additional improvement, and I just don't know if we're necessarily going to see that. Yeah. So uh, I skipped over your boy, Justin Turner. You like him oh, yeah. a lot more than me. I don't know if you want to talk more about him, but I did realize that we've been talking for well over an hour here. Even like time is flying for me. We've been talking about a lot of guys. We're about outside of our top 100, but I want to talk about a lot more guys. So I feel like we should jump okay, around we'll to more, some of the. We'll do more quick hits. Well, yeah. Can you explain to me the argument against Justin Turner? Is it just that he's going to miss games? No, I can't explain. I can't explain against him. I, I mean, I'm like a couple rounds, you know, better than ECR as well. You just have him, you know, at 78. I mean, I would, I'll consider, you know, bumping him up. I don't, I don't have a really good argument against Justin Turner. I really don't. I think it's just, again, we, we've been talking about a lot of guys who are older and we have higher. Uh, so maybe I need to consider putting uh, Justin Turner a little bit higher. I just feel like you can write him down for like 280 plus batting average, 25 plus home runs, and like tons of runs in RBIs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have an argument against him, so I won't even try. (laughs) All right. Especially considering, you know, we're short on time. So you jump around. (laughs) Who do you want to talk about next? All right. I wanted to jump down to uh, Taylor Rogers. That's Mm -hmm. like, I started started putting some guys in bold here because after we got past like the top 100, I was like, Okay, let's see some guys who we're really far off on. So, okay, Taylor Rogers, the ECR is one ninety. You have him at ninety nine. I have him at one twenty eight. I mean, we're taking this closer way, way earlier, and I don't get why the ECR is so low on him because I feel like he's the guy now. Um, you know, I don't know who else in the bullpen if they're gonna, like Hansel Robles or like I don't know who else is going to like Tyler be- Duffy would be the only other. Yeah, I mean, even if he's guy. in a committee, he's going to lead that committee, and I think the Twins will be okay. Um, like they don't have great a great pitching staff, but we've talked about some guys that we like, like Ober and yeah, not Dylan Bundy, but <laughs> they've got some <laughs> they've got some guys. I, I think I think they'll be okay. He'll have plenty of save opportunities, and even if he get comes in like in those uh you know those situations like in the eighth, like he's still a really good pitcher. He might get you some wins. So I don't know. I like I don't see I don't see why he's going like one ninetieth ECR. Neither That's do crazy. I. It makes <laughs> makes no sense at all. I mean yeah. You know, I, I mentioned on the relief pitcher pod, like his peripherals actually were substantially better than even his surface numbers were last year. So, yeah, uh, you know, he can put up 
significantly better number. I mean, his K, K per walk ratio was fifth best in baseball last season. Um, I just, you know, it's if, if you're going to get caught up on the fact that, like, somebody else might occasionally get a save here and there, be my guess. But, like, the number of pitchers that are going to see every single save on their team is less than 10. And he's, like, going to see 80-plus percent of those save chances, I would say, and mm-hmm. give you terrific accompanying numbers. So, yeah, uh, there's just, yeah. I mean, he's right there at, like, on the cusp of top 10 closer for me. Yeah, I agree. So another guy that we like, and I wonder if, I've been kind of moving him up, and I wonder if he's been here for you or if you've been moving him up too, but Logan Gilbert, mm-hmm. you know, we're about 42 spots higher than ECR. ECR has him about 160, and we're around kind of 120. So we're three a full, you know, three rounds earlier on Logan Gilbert. So I'm excited to try and get him. I like I like the draft pedigree, and, you know, Seattle's Seattle's okay. I, I, I like Logan Gilbert a lot, so definitely going to get him. Pitch. What's that? It's a good place to pitch. Good place to pitch. Yep. A mm-hmm. um, couple other pitchers. You like Mike Clevenger a lot more than ECR. Well, I say a lot. It's like another three rounds or so. But you, you just mm-hmm. told us you drafted him, so you obviously like Clevenger. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the upside is insane <laughs> with Mike Clevenger. I mean, he was like a dominant force before the, before the injury. You know, uh, he had an ERA of three eleven or lower. In 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020, uh, the strikeouts were usually very high in 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 that time period. Uh, the WHIP was really good. I mean, he's just one of these guys that was like awesome. And I just mm-hmm. believe the way guys come back from the, the Tommy John at this point, like they come back strong. And he's had ample time at this point to recover. Uh, it's a really good situation pitching in San Diego. I mean, mm-hmm. great ballpark. Uh, solid team behind him, even with Tatis out of the lineup. It's just, it's just a recipe for a lot of upside. Now I understand he's a little more volatile than some other pitchers, but like I'm, I feel like the trade—that's a trade-off I'm gladly willing to make, uh, considering the upside. Uh, another guy who, <clears throat> so Marcelo Zuna, maybe this is another like kind of Max Muncy situation where you know, or Kenley Jansen, let's say, where ECR hasn't adjusted. Um, I have I have him like twenty spots higher than ECR, but you have him like almost hundred spots higher. So you have him inside your top one hundred. ECR is one eighty. I think maybe ECR just hasn't caught up with the fact that you know this guy was like the number one outfielder in twenty twenty that shortened season, right? And he's back. You know, like he's going to be in that lineup. It's not like there's any. I don't think there's anything ambiguous about Marcelo Zuna at this point. I mean, if you don't want to draft him for like the domestic violence stuff or something, I, that's fine. I get that, but like. For fantasy, I mean, yeah, I think I, I think I have him too too low at one sixty, so I need to I need to move him even even more to kind of adjust. Yeah, I mean, he had that one big like career year in uh, twenty seventeen, but then he basically had another career year in twenty twenty. Yeah. So he's done it twice, and even the years where he hasn't completely exploded, he's been a very solid performer. So like, I feel like the floor is high and the ceiling is high. Yeah. Dylan Cease is an interesting one. Uh, he's in the top 100 ECR. They have him at 88, and uh, we we both have him much you know much later than that. Our our average is 125. You have him at 139. I'm 122. So I think Dylan Cease, you know, strikeout potential, but very wild. I yep. think he has a he has a wide range of outcomes. I think I, that's another one like Mondesi, where I would be interested to see the standard deviation on Dylan Cease. I feel like there's probably a lot of people who have him ranked really high and are just projecting him to be 
you know, this year's whoever and be great. And there's probably people who are like, no, I'm not touching him. So, yeah, I agree. That's I, I don't have anything to add. Um, let's see. Luke Voigt. We're like 50 spots higher than ECR. They have him at 185. We're like around 130. So I don't know. He had he was in a good position in Yankee Stadium. He's moving to probably a worse situation in San Diego, but the playing times there. We've seen him be just a great power hitter. Um, I don't know. I think I think I would. I mean, I would definitely take him earlier than what ECR is saying. So yeah, boy, I mean, he, yeah, he's just one of these players that can just go on these huge hot streaks. I mean, I I think he didn't he lead the league in home runs in twenty twenty. I think so. Oh, I don't know. He might have. Uh, yeah, he did. 22 home runs in 2020 led, led baseball. Um, you know, he's always one in, you know, on his way to the to the uh, nurse's office <laughs> with an injury. But yeah, it's always the next injury is always around the corner for him. Um, but he can provide batting average and power. Uh, yeah, I, he's just he's one of those players where it's like when he's healthy, I want to be I want him in my lineup. Yep. You know, and I I'd rather have a player like that than a guy who's like an accumulator who plays 162 <laughs> games, but always just this kind of leaves you wanting more, you know? Yeah. We just, we just talked in our closers uh, podcast about Corey Knebel. ECR has him at 208. You have him at 115, uh, but combined we're 133. Um, so we're 70 spots higher, you know, combined, but you're, you know, you're about a hundred spots higher. I think yeah. maybe the ECR just isn't believing in him as a full-time closer. I'm not really sure. What's I mean, that on one, there? to be fair, that one does make me a little bit nervous. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't, that, like I said on the closer podcast, the, the, the Phillies do have a lot of other veteran, uh, reliever options in that bullpen. So he can't really slip up much. And it, I'm not even sure they formally declared him as the closer yet. So, right. Uh, it's a little nerve wracking. I just, I, I feel like they brought him in to close though. And, uh, usually, the the Phillies have just stuck with one guy, so uh, I don't think it's going to be a committee. But hopefully, hopefully he gets the job right from the get go and runs with it. Um, you know, it's it sort of reminds me of the Hector Neris situation in years past, where it's like he was a very valuable reliever when he was in a groove, um, <laughs> but you slip up and you could lose the job. Yeah. So let me give you a couple other quick hits here. Jesse Winker, we're not buying him in Seattle. Uh, versus ECR. ECR has him in their top 100. I have him at like 130, and you have him like 160. Uh, even I felt like I've just been moving him down, uh, just thinking about being in that ballpark. Yeah, Spen- I don't think people yeah. have factored in the. the I don't uh, think so. The trade. <clears throat> Spencer Torkelson, uh, you've uh, professed your love for him, I think, in multiple podcasts, mm-hmm. and uh, I, <laughs> he's one of your keepers there. And um, we're both much higher, uh, you know, than e- ECR has him at 255. So that's, I mean, I can't, I'd have to look up his ADP, but I can't imagine he's going that late at this point, but maybe. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating just thinking about the projections with these rookies. Like, yeah, it's a guessing game. You know what I mean? Like people are, I think the general assumption with him is that he'll hit for power right away, but not for batting average. But we don't know that. I mean, he could, he could hit for batting average and power right away. Yeah. Um, a couple couple pitchers that we both like. We're 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 like right at like kind of one forty five to one fifty with these two guys overall. Luis Garcia and uh, Hyunjin Ryu. We talked about them both on our starting pitcher podcast. So we like the ECR and them is over two hundred. Um, you know, just maybe a little little sneak peek. We're gonna do a, we're gonna do a bold predictions. I think next week, right? 
And uh, I have yeah. I have Ryu. I think I think I'll have him in like in my bowl prediction predictions uh, because I oh. I really like a bounce back for him. I really do. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he's he he's I I call him a craftsman. He he yeah. He doesn't have the most incredible stuff, but he knows how to get results. Lefties are crafty, aren't they? They're just crafty. <laughs> Those crafty southpaws. <laughs> you know what's funny? Looking at some people, I, you know, I haven't seen every single person in the entire league pitch. I was looking at Logan Gilbert the other day, and I'm like, I know I've seen him pitch, but when I was looking him up, I'm like, he looks like a lefty. I just looked at his picture, and I'm like, oh, he's. I don't know. Some I, maybe some your unconscious, spidey sense was tingling on that. Yes, yeah, some unconscious bias in my head. Your lefty like, sense. He's yeah. a lefty. No, he's my not. lefty sense is tingling. <laughs> All right, let's see who else. Um, Joe Adele, we we have much, we're, we're both kind of around one fifty ish on him, and he's around two hundred in ECR. I, I don't wait on Joe Adele. I think no, be, it's better to be too early than too late on a player yeah. like Joe Adele. Yeah, for sure. Um, you really like Scott Barlow um, even more than like way more than me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but combined, you know, we like him more than the ECR. Like some of that's just getting down here into the closers and. Yeah, but, I don't uh, like is a strong word for Scott Barlow. <laughs> it's this is similar to the Corey Knable one. I think maybe yeah. some of these closers, I just push them way up because yeah. of how scarce saves are. But yeah, uh, it's you have to you have to realize you're taking a risk with these kind of closers. Like yeah. they, they they could their value could evaporate instantly at any time. <laughs> I don't think the ECR has adjusted for uh, Randall Grichik and Coors. Uh, ECR on him is two forty. I don't know that. People have really adjusted for him for that trade because we have him kind of around like 160. Uh, so that, you know, I, that just doesn't sound right to me. Same for I agree. Some, I, I, yeah. I think people may not realize just how good he is either, though. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, he's flies he's, under he, the radar a little bit. Yeah, he's been solid. And if you look at Coors, you know, upping the batting average and home runs and all these stats, like, yeah, he's a he's a good he's a good player to target. I think if his ADP and, and ECR there is really actually that low. Yeah, especially in a deeper league, you know. I mean, like yeah. deeper leagues, like he he's a definite starter. <laughs> yep. Um, Noah Syndergaard, did you say you drafted him last night? I did. Yeah, he we. I mean, we both like him. You have him at one fifty four. I have him at one eighty. ECR is two twenty. So I think you know people are a little bit afraid of him coming coming off Tommy John, but he's now two years removed from that, right? I mean, I think at this point you gotta you gotta get Thor. I, I I like I like him. I might even move him up closer to where you have him. Yeah, I just I mean the upside is exciting, you know. Let's see. Um, you skipped over Jake McGee, who I have like a hundred spots oh. higher than you. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Okay, yeah, I did. Uh, I also have like a hundred and forty spots higher than consensus. <laughs> I think some uh, of that too is so much. People have been really. I've heard a lot of people on Duvall, and I, I think people now like with what uh, was it Kapler said something about. McGee being his, he'd like to see him be the closer. He said he is the closer. Yeah, yeah he is the. Yeah, so we'll 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 see. I think it's still a committee. I like I said, I put them kind of like around twenty to twenty five in my my RP rankings. We'll see, man. Jake <laughs> McGee, thirty one saves last year, thirty one saves this year. Mark it down. <laughs> Another one I wanted to mention real quick is Trevor Bauer. So Trevor Bauer, I know we we mentioned him a little bit. Like you have him at one fifty eight, I have him at one seventy nine. ECR is three hundred four. We don't really have a whole lot of information on him. I just wanted to throw something out there because, you know, if you don't want to have Trevor Bauer in your league, ask your commissioner to, like, just remove him. Like, don't draft him. Like, what's the harm in just, like, removing Trevor Bauer and not even worrying about it? I know if you're, like, in an NL only or something, okay, that's one less pitcher that you're going to get or something. I'm not saying, like, absolutely go out there and do it, but just giving you an idea, 
If you want to, like, you know, just remove them, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to draft them. Nobody can. Just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> it's a slippery slope, though, man. Then why why not ban Marcel Azuna, too? That's true. Well, if your league, but if your league wants to do that too, then you know, I mean, your your league should have rules and you know, as long as it's not a stuff. keeper league where these guys are on, <laughs> that's, on the the defending right. champions team. <laughs> <laughs> very very true. Yeah yeah, but I but think no. Bowers, I mean, a guy like Bauer, if you're if you're morally willing to roster him, I mean, yeah. he's the kind of player that you should roster. I mean, yeah, I in a twelve team mixed league, just if you have bench spots, like that's what they're for, like guys mm-hmm. who could be league winners, you know. Yeah, and if the ECR has him at three or four, um, ADP I assume is you know pretty high versus what we have him. So, yeah, I, don't don't let him go undrafted in your league. Make sure you make sure he gets drafted if you don't have any problems with it. Um, let's see, we've talked about a lot of these guys. Kiebert Ruiz, you like a lot more than me, but we both have him you know much higher than than ECR. Great, um, great contact skills for a catcher and probably yeah. twenty home run power. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm, I'm, there's a few guys who we like a lot less than ECR. Trent Grisham, Wilson Contreras, Trey Mancini, Eduardo Rodriguez, Sean Manea, Tommy Edmond, Alex Verdugo. Those are a bunch of guys who we, they're like 50 to 60 spots, you know, lower than 85 ECR. for Edmond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I've been moving Edmond down. Um, I I'm really like, he's the player. I think I'm the lowest on of anyone compared to consensus. Yeah, I've been 233. Yeah, I've been moving him down because I think he's going to bat like seventh or eighth now. And I think Dylan Carlson's going to be batting leadoff. And he's got some good speed. And I think when you look at the stolen base numbers that Edmund had, I don't know if Dylan Carlson starts getting the green light. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I mean, Edmund might get the red light <laughs> or he, he might just, he might just get the bench, actually. Yeah. Um, I sh- should mention Julio Rodriguez, who, ECR is at 333. That's crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Like <laughs> same thing as Joe Adele. Be early, not late. Yeah. Um, even as I'm going through like looking at catchers, I feel like in general we have catchers a bit higher except for I mean, as I just mentioned Wilson Contreras, but like we have Mitch Garver like 50 spots higher. Um, you really like Jonathan VR. <laughs> you have him 128 spots higher than I do. He's just another he's like the he's like the old poor man's Alberto Mondesi. <laughs> yeah. He's he's just got this game that's made for Roto, you know? I mean yep. like and the Cubs have no reason not to play him. So it was a good landing spot. I mean, he if he had signed with a contender, he probably would have been like a bench bat, you know, or a a defensive uh fill in who could kind of play all over the field. Um but with the Cubs, he's going to play every day, and I, I don't know what is. Where's do we know where he's going to bat in the lineup? I feel like it could be a pretty decent spot, actually. It could be, yeah. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really been, haven't been looking at box scores uh, too much in the last couple of weeks. One guy who I drafted or drafted, one guy I ranked way higher than you is Jorge Soler. I have him at one fifty one. You have him at two fifty six. So I thought that was interesting that we were a hundred spots higher or you know off on. Jorge Soler because I think I just didn't you know him him going from Atlanta to Miami he'll still bat you know clean up and I think he'll still hit plenty of home runs I don't know I think he's I think he's fine to take there but yeah that's interesting that we're like 100 spots different on him yeah he's just had like a very unremarkable career to me except for that one 2019 season which was like a year where a lot of people had career years offensively and I just think he's a home run and RBI guy, basically, and he went to a situation that's not that great for RBIs. 
Yeah. You love O'Neill Cruz. You haven't you haven't moved him down too much. You haven't at 160. Are you gonna you know he's not breaking camp. He's not gonna be on the opening day roster. You still hanging hanging tough on him. Yeah, I mean that's another situation where you could try to game the fantasy pro system a little bit and maybe yeah. move him down a bit. But I don't know, man. I mean that like if if he actually now it's sometimes rookies struggle when they come up. I mean, look at Jared Kelnick last year, you know. Yeah. But like if he hits from day one, he has plenty of time to be better than one sixtieth overall. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would guess maybe he misses three weeks or a month. You know. Uh, whatever the service time requirement is for this season, but uh, just the the fact he can pile up that power and speed so quickly with a decent batting average, I mean, there's potential for him to be like a top fifty player or something from the time he comes up. I'm not saying he will be. That's that's an overstatement. I mean, he's a rookie. We have to keep our expectations in check a little bit. But that's just I'm just saying that statistical upside is such that like. He can do a lot in a, in a little time. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, touch on a few others here. I have Marcus Stroman 142 spots <laughs> higher than you. <laughs> I love me some Marcus Stroman. I guess you have Alejandro Kirk 139 spots higher than I do. Yeah. Um, we both like him. I mean, I like him a little higher than ECR. You like him much higher. And um, well, yeah, good. you want to talk about him? Kirk. I mean, to me, the minute that they that they traded Grichik, it was just wide open for Kirk to play. So I feel like, I feel like that DH spot is there for him. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I just think that, uh, he's, he's a very good hitter. Like for a catcher, he's a very good hitter. Um, so the upside is really exciting. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't take a lot to like break into that top five catchers and he absolutely could do it. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Miles Straw a bit on outfielder. I like him almost 100 spots more than you. It's about the steals for me. You like Riley Green almost 100 spots more than me, but we like him way another you know rookie who we like way more. ECR is three nine three sixty eight. Good grief, and we're yeah. we're we're closer to like 200. So we're <laughs> so yeah. Like I feel like Green could have a very high floor because he adds the stolen bases. So yeah, uh, I love yeah I love Riley Green. I, to, you know, Stroman I had down there because he doesn't get the strikeouts. He's just an innings eater, you know, and yeah. that's more of a philosophical thing. It's Miles yep. Straw, same kind of thing. I just, I don't want to roster a player like Miles Straw, you know. I just, yeah. I don't want to take the hits everywhere else. I'd rather build my team with a bunch of guys that get 10 or 15 steals and not have to, not have to play a guy like Miles Straw. Yeah, these are guys you might want to consider adjusting, though, when you go to do your Fantasy Pros submission because I feel like Stroman's a guy who's going to be up there. Like you said, he's an innings eater. So it's more about like projections uh, versus like how you would actually draft a guy. So I'm going to look at baseball monster on that. I'm curious where he's <laughs> finished. I mean, last year he was, uh, he was one Oh nine, but the previous year, 2019, he was 157. So yeah. You're talking about Stroman? Yeah. 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 So I guess I should move him up. <laughs> I actually I mean, may have, yeah. I actually may have, yeah. I mean, to be clear, my rankings on our site are for like how I value the players, like how I would draft them. And but on fantasy pros, it's different. Like I, I may, I may go with uh, how I think how I expect them to finish. You know. Yep. 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 Um, here's a handful of guys that we like way less than ECR: um, Austin Hayes, Gene Segura, Benintendi, Michael Brantley, Michael Conforto, who I moved down. By the way, the longer he goes without getting signed, I'm just kind of like, unless 
unless I missed something. He's still without a team, so uh, I don't know. I need to keep moving him. He, down. Well, he apparently suffered a an arm injury um, in January, and so I think teams are just waiting for him to be healthy before mm. signing him. And yeah, um, I think he's healthy now. So, like, I'll bet you we see him sign somewhere in the next week or so. Okay. Anyone down here? Like, we're we're now like kind of after our top two fifty or so, and there's there's a lot of guys down here we could kind of talk about but i know we're adjusting our rankings all the time and we'll have another update um i don't know when we plan to do that probably wednesday or so so every week we'll update our overall um i think a lot of these guys down here are some guys who maybe you ranked a little bit higher or i did and i need to i need to dig dig in on some of these guys and probably adjust anyway i do want to mention one guy i do really love andres jimenez i just Mm. think he's a great sleeper uh steals are hard to come by Second basemen are hard to come by. Uh, he fills both of those boxes. Uh, you know, I think he, I think he can easily do double digit uh, home runs with twenty plus steals. Um, and he's got shortstop and uh, second base eligibility, which is nice. He's only twenty three years old, so like a full on breakout could definitely happen. Uh, I'm just a big fan. I mean, he stole. Uh, let's see, he stole. 38 bases in 2018 between high A and double A. He stole 28 uh, in 117 games in double A in 2019. So there's been some high stolen base numbers in there. Um, You know, the power last year between triple A and the majors, he hit 15 homers in uh, 120 games. So, Mm -hmm. you know, getting to 20 is not impossible for him. And I think he can hit around 250 or something like that. So it becomes this pretty appealing uh, mix of, of uh, stats, and especially if he can work his way up towards the top of the lineup. Because I think he'll probably start batting around seventh or something. But mm-hmm. that lineup is <laughs> – there's not a ton of great hitters in that lineup. So I think if he gets off to a hot start, you know, they have like Miles Straw and Ahmed Rosario at the top right now. Yep. I don't think those guys are that locked in. You know, Josh Naylor is fifth too, so – they could easily like, you know, they could move Rosario down or something to fifth and move yeah. Jimenez up to second or sure. you know move Straw down to the to ninth. You know, they have a lot of options there. Straw's going to bat lead off. Dang it! <laughs> no, I, 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 I like that. Him, start. Yeah, Jimenez could bat second. I like that. And uh, just to you know to talk about ECR, he's at three thirty, and you have him at one eighty three. So about one hundred and fifty spots difference. So I don't know if you mentioned those numbers, but I wanted to point that out. That's it's a big dif- big gap on Jimenez. Yeah, I'm also getting very high on Keston Hira. What do you think about him? Yeah, you know, he was a guy, we were, like, again, we were putting together our rankings, updating him, and I don't think I had him too high. Like, he's a, but, I, actually, I don't think I had him in my, my top, you know, let's say, 30 at the position, and so he didn't, like, make the cut. But I need to, like, take another look at him and some other guys down here because... Yeah, Keston Hira, I think he's another guy who's been looking good in the spring. And uh, he's a guy in the past who has had, you know, like a good season and then terrible season. He's got some some underlying stats who you know, that, that can show that he can he can put it together. So, yeah, he's a he's a, like a last round pick probably. Let's see where yeah, he's. Yeah, totally. And I, to be fair, I, I only have him at like 228. I might have moved him up a little bit since then, but there's a lot of ways this could go. I mean, he's still... He's still striking out a fair amount. I mean, he he may be a thirty percent strikeout rate guy just forever, but I feel like he, you know, like maybe he can be Javi Baez. You know what I mean? Like I, mm. that's the kind of player 
I think I heard some other podcast com- making that comparison. I think yeah. that's that's an apt comparison. He's got the uh, strikeout rate for it, for sure. But, but he's <laughs> got the power and the speed and sort of yeah. just the dynamic skill set for it, you know? But yeah, he's a, his ECR is 440. So, you yeah, you've got him like 200 spots difference. So, that's a big yep. one, for sure. Yep. 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 Like I said, we've got a lot of guys we could talk about, but I think we've got to end it somewhere. And I think we need to... We need to do some bold predictions, unless there's someone else down here that you see that you really want to point out. But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing some bold predictions on some of these guys who we probably already talked about. Like I mentioned Ryu. I'm definitely going to bring him up, but we'll do that one next week. Yeah, and you know we will also be updating, like you said, these rankings every single week at rsrankings.com. Uh, once the season kick uh, starts on uh, Thursday, We'll be transitioning to doing rest of season rankings, which is the name of the game here. Uh, but we will also be, f- you know, featuring uh, a podcast discussion of those rankings every week as well. We have something we like to call the movers and shakers, which are the players who move up and down our rankings the most each week. So uh, we will be using that resource. It's a great resource for you, and it will be a nice resource for us to structure our discussion uh, during the course of the season as well. Um, so yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh, please do uh, check out those rankings that are up there. We, like I said, we wrote notes for over 300 players, so there's a lot of interesting tidbits in there. Uh, if you haven't drafted yet, or even if you have, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Seifter, and you can follow me on Twitter at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.